Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. So I told you guys last week, remember, everyone's just coming back to this. We're a little bit rusty on some things. We got to figure out our... (laughs) Anyway, happy Father's Day. Hope you're all having a great day. We're here. You're healing. You're catching a healing. (laughs) Yes. So uh, thank you. Um, I believe, if I remember right, we actually pre-recorded that game show, and we're going to release all of them sometime onto the net. So if you want a good laugh, you can watch the full version. This was the truncated version. Okay, Uh, today we're talking about the way of life and uh, happy Father's Day to all the fathers. There's this verse in in Proverbs 6.23 that's talking about listening to the commands of your parents. And this is assumed scripturally that they're teaching you the ways of truth or the ways of the Bible, the ways that God has intended. And it says, their corrective discipline is the way to life. And everyone's like, oh, what a great way to start. Corrective discipline. Ooh. But the word of God has a way of refining us, and it addresses the wrong behaviors in our life. And in our culture today, humanism hates humans. Okay? So when man becomes the center of all existence, it actually doesn't work well for humans. They devalue life. And, and years ago, this started when they started, I, I mean, it's degraded slowly from the time, you know, but of creation. But you see, they started taking innocent lives in the womb, right? And even before they were born. And then that kind of morphed or that kind of, to the point where there's a full-out assault on the image of God that we're created in as men and women. Because remember, male and female, he created us in his image and in his likeness. And it's together, men and women, that reflect the glory of God. The culture has been minimizing the role of men in our society. If I'm going to be really honest on the matter, at least intellectually honest, it seems to be a response to many, many years of male dominance without love. In some cases, mistreatment. And, and I feel that there's a little bit of an over-response going on, especially in the media right now. And, and as a result of this, too many men have abdicated their role, and women have had no choice but to step up into the role of the man. And, and I'm not even going into the traditional roles. What I'm talking about is when we're made in the image of God, we have to understand that together we reflect his image. He made male and female, and he put them together to reflect his image. But how many of you know that every male and female couple that comes together is going to reflect the glory of God a little bit differently? Because we're all different people. And we all have different parts of the Creator put inside of us, and He's given us different gifts, talents, and abilities. How are we doing? Now, in the culture, we see men are often made fun of, they're devalued in most of the media that you're watching today, um, especially if a man's operating in his God-ordained role, right? 
uh, they tend to pick them apart and criticize them and make them look like they're some kind of psycho guy. If I've seen it once, I've seen it a dozen times on television. Okay, fun is poked at them, they're criticized, they're portrayed as weak and incompetent. But the reality of the world that I see is more men are engaged as fathers or father figures in the lives of children than ever. I see in this day and age, men are taking more of an active role in the lives of their children than maybe they traditionally have in the last couple hundred years. So in biblical times, it was one thing. And then somewhere along the way, culture created this new image of man or this new concept of man where he was the macho guy who sat on the couch and drank stuff that's not good for you. Too much of it. Well, he watched TV and everyone had to serve him, right? Like, isn't that the, isn't that the image that they've kind of created or the, the macho man that takes his strength to beat up the other people instead of protect the family that he loves? Matt Campbell, in all of his research, talked about the negative general portrayals of fathers, portrayals of fathers, husbands, men in, in TV, TV commercials and sitcoms contributes to a decrease in men wanting to assume these roles in society and creates the impression, among others, that men need not assume such roles anyways, that they are simply aren't important. Many men that I've seen, even in churches, have found themselves, oh, thank you. Thank you. Hot, hot water. <laughs> Many men, even in churches, have found themselves struggling to walk on the path of life. <clears throat> the struggle's real, but challenging for some. But despite what seems to be overwhelming odds against us in the day and hour that we live in, I want you to understand that we have to stand firm on the truth of the scriptures and the foundation of God's word. It's been revealed to us through the scriptures how God wants us to live in the image that he wants us to reflect to the world around us. First uh, Timothy chapter 4, 7 and 8 in the Amplified. But have nothing to do with the reverent folklore and silly myths. On the other hand, discipline yourselves for the purpose of godliness, keeping yourself spiritually fit. For physical training is of some value, but godliness, spiritual training, is of a value to everything in every way since it holds promise for the present life and for the life to come. Amen. So that whole idea of I have to be a macho guy and have big muscles and work out all the time and look like I'm, you know, there's nothing wrong with being fit. It profits a little. But if you're fit and you don't exercise your spiritual senses and be fit in the spirit, you're only fit for this life, not for the life to come. And your spiritual discernment when it's exercised it benefits every arena of your life, not just your natural man. So we see where the culture has created a reflection that's not the image of God. Are you catching this? Do, do you understand what I'm trying to say when I, when I talk about this? Because the culture has put something out there that this is what a man's supposed to be or this is what a, but they leave out some of the parts that the Bible talks about are more important, like character. Cultures perverted things to look very different than the creator intended. He established the natural order of creation. It's okay to be a man, and it's okay to be a father. Amen. Both roles are rooted in biblical truth. There's a war for the souls of men today, and I'm going to encourage you, if you're listening to me today, you have to choose the way of life. You have to choose the path of life. You know, and then Jesus is talking in John 6. 
Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I'm the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely. They will find good pastures. The thieves' purpose is to still kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and a satisfying life. Jesus said, I'm the gate, and if you want a satisfying life, guess what? It only happens when you walk through the gate. It only happens, men, when you choose the way of life. You can choose the other way. In fact, you're given a choice, are you not? Everyone has free will. And the truth is, it is not a reflection of me how you respond to the word of God. It's a reflection of your heart how you respond to the word of God. Dun, dun, dun. It's not a reflection of you how people respond to the word of God that you live for them. So when you present the message of hope to people, whether they respond or don't respond, that's really up to their heart. Sir Robert Frost, two roads diverged in a wood and I, I took the one less traveled by. That has made all the difference in his very famous poem. But the truth is, the way of life is the way less traveled in the world that we live in today. Believe it or not, even in Christian circles, the way of life is the road less traveled. In Matthew 7, 13 and 14 in the Amplified Bible, enter through the narrow gate, for the wide gate is broad and easy to travel is the path that leads the way to destruction and eternal loss. And there are many, everyone say many, many, who enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow and difficult to travel is the path that leads to the way, leads the way to everlasting life, and there are few who find it. How many people have deceived themselves to thinking they're on the narrow way when they're really not? John 14, Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's house. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way to where I'm going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? Then Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through there's a lot of people that think that they were born Christian, so therefore they've got an in with God. You can't be born in Christianity. You can be trained in Christianity, but you have a personal responsibility and a personal choice that we all have to adhere to. I want to encourage you, you have to choose the way of life. How do you do this? First Timothy 6, but you, Timothy, are a man of God, so run from all these evil things. That's a good way to stay on the way of life, run from evil. Pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you've declared so well before many witnesses. Isn't that what we should be doing? Pursuing righteousness. Pursuing a godly life. Fleeing evil things. There's some of you that are listening to me right now and your conscience is starting to condemn you because you know that when you see evil things with your eyes, you don't flee, you don't run away. 
You spend way more time there than you need to. I'm going to encourage you, both men and women, when the evil things are presented before your eyes, you need to run away. Make a point to turn around and start pursuing righteousness and let the life of God flow through you. Because if you look at the evil things, it's going to make your world smaller and smaller and smaller. Psalms 119, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light to my path. And it goes on and on and on. And it talks about, in the end, I'm determined to keep your decrees to the end. In verse 112. That should be the heart cry of every heart Christ follower. We want to keep his commands. Our hope really is in Christ and his word. There was a man named Tolkien. He created a universe. He's got a character named Gandalf, and he says this. Saruman, who's another character, believes it is only great power that can hold evil in check. But that's not what I found. I found it's the small everyday deeds of ordinary folk that keep darkness at bay. Small acts of kindness and love. See, Saruman's view is limited. It's a partial truth. For me, the great power of our Creator lives inside of all of us who believe, and when we live out the biblical truth, the power of God is released through us every day, and it overcomes the darkness around us. It's God's great power, but it's enacted on earth through humans just like you and me. And when we, the church, the body of Christ, the local believers, come together and start enacting the power of God through righteousness, through love, through good works, guess what? We push back the darkness around us. We bring hope to the hopeless. And the life of God goes forth. Psalm 1611, you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasure of living with you forever. We have to, church, choose the way of life. Because the other path is not going to lead you to where you want to end up. Everybody wants to go to heaven. I don't know too many people that don't. You can talk to, you know, people that believe in the afterlife. Yeah, I'm going to go to heaven. You are. Are you on the way of life? Are you choosing the way of life? Is Jesus your gate? It's only through Jesus at the cross period. All roads don't lead to God. It's the way of life that leads to God, the narrow way. So, for a message, the way of life, I want to talk a little bit right now about Abba. Uh, Nedaba is, is another word that we see in the Hebrew, which is voluntariness or free will offerings, the ancient Hebrew lexicon definitions, the offering of something with a willing heart as a sign of honor. The term we use, Abba, or the Aramaic word for uh, daddy, it comes from three places in the Bible, but I think there's a little bit more there that I want to kind of expand upon for all of you today. So you're going to find this word Abba in Mark 14, 36, Romans 8, 15, and Galatians 4, 6. And uh, my, my friend, Roly, who came up a little bit earlier, um, padre, right, father? Okay. So in English, we say father. In Spanish, they say padre. Okay. I find it interesting because when the writers here are referring to Abba, father, they're taking the Aramaic daddy 
in the, in the Greek, pater, father, right? And they're kind of saying like daddy, father, or daddy, daddy, or father, father. It would be like me saying to you, father, padre, or padre, father. Doesn't that sound interesting to you? Maybe. Did you ever wonder why? Why would they explain it that way? Why would, they, why would they do that? Why would the writers do that? I think there's something in there. So in Mark 14, 36, Romans 8, 15, and Galatians 4, 6, which is the one I'm going to read to you. And because we're his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. In all three contexts, do you see these two combined? But I think what they're trying to communicate is with that word, Abba, there's this level of intimacy between the father and the child. It's an intimacy, just like we as the church have a level of intimacy with the father. And if you don't have intimacy with the father, my question for you is, are you spending any time with him in prayer? No prayer, no relationship. Okay. And then from there, there's this level of obedience that is implied within the conversation because of the love and the honor that the child has for the parent. In Mark 14, Jesus is praying intimacy with the Father, and then he submits his will in obedience. Father, if this cup of suffering, but nevertheless, let your will be done, right? Isn't that what he's talking about? So you see in that term, Abba, Father, there's a relationship that Jesus has with the Father, but there's also a submission to the will of the Father. In Romans 8, Paul's contrasting fear, spirit of fear, with the spirit of being a child of God. We have a child-father relationship here, intimacy, and our motivation is obedience to God's commands by crucifying the flesh. We see obedience and we see suffering in both of these passages. In Galatians 6, or sorry, 4-6, it's the same thing. He's contrasting in the context Obedient slaves versus obedient children. There's a level of intimacy and there's a level of obedience that's implied within that expression, Abba, Father. It's not just daddy, it's daddy with relationship. So this offering that we take up once a year on Father's Day, it's a special offering and we encourage everyone to give their best to God, but it's really a reflection of your intimacy and your obedience. We've asked you for several weeks now. Everyone should be praying and asking God if he wants them. And I will say this. <clears throat> it has to do with your heart, listening to what God instructs you to do, and you want to honor him and see his purposes fulfilled in our region. I'm going to remind you, it's a capital campaign where we raise money for things that the general fund doesn't usually cover. And a special portion of this year's ABBA is going to go towards mission so that we can better partner with and serve our community. And they've been talking about that and doing a great job. I will remind you, this is a volunteer offering. There should be no pressure on you to participate or not participate. I'm gonna challenge you to participate because I feel that there's always a blessing in giving. <clears throat> I believe that the 30, 60, and 100-fold that it talks about is not just with the tithe. I believe that's for the offerings that go above and beyond the tithe. And we see this consistently throughout scriptures when they were building the tabernacle, when they were building the temple, even when they were building the second temple. It was always free will, voluntary offerings that they used for those type of projects. 
So, you know, I know that some of you have had some challenging times through COVID with your income and with your finances. And the truth is, God's not asking you to give what you don't have. We tithe off of our increase, but when we get into offerings, if you don't have, you don't have any seed in your hands. So we need to ask God to give us seed so that we can sow. But those of us that do have, we have an obligation really before God to make sure that we reach out and that we sow. Okay? But again, I want to stress and qualify, it's a volunteer offering. If you're not joyful about having an opportunity to sow, don't sow. And it sounds counterproductive for the preacher to say, hey, we're going to take up an offering, but if you're not really happy about it, don't give me anything. (laughs) But the truth is, I love you enough to tell you the truth. If you can't align your heart with God's heart, if you can't give with joy, you're wasting your money. Your seed's going to die. Right? So we want to give our seed with joy so that it's going to grow and multiply and produce a harvest. And you know what? As a church, you have been generous. You have been faithful. There's many things we've done for Jesus, and there's many things we've accomplished. Right now, we're at a place where we want to start reaching out into our community more. But there's always things that come up that the general fund doesn't normally cover, so we want to make sure that we have some capital so that those things can be covered. Kind of like those rooftop units and (laughs) stuff. But they did a great job explaining that in the video. So what I'm going to do, for those of you online, you can give online. For those, you can e-transfer money. I think that's what I'm going to do this year. It's easier than um, using the push pay for me, Uh, less fees. But... um, I'm going to have the usher standing by the doors on the way out. And if you have cash or check and you'd like to deposit, or if you want to pledge something on the envelope, feel free to do that as well. And then just, if you're going to make a pledge, really take it seriously before God, right? So I made a pledge when I was in Dallas. I think I've shared this once or twice, but really it was, it was a faith pledge because I was a student. I was working, paying my way through school working crazy hours, but I really felt God wanted me to give to this missions building that was going up for world missions. So I made a pledge, and I remember like nine months in, I get this letter, hey, just to remind you about it, and I'm like, God, I need more money. (laughs) But true story, I picked up this side job with Arthur Anderson Accounting, and they had us just cleaning so they could win an award. But after the initial job, they hired a few of us to do the main work. They just used the little one as a test, and then they found the people that were really working hard, and they put us over here. But they paid us almost double what they agreed to pay us. And when we called them and said, hey, you paid us too much, the guy said, yeah, don't worry about it, keep it. God provided the seed so that I could fulfill my pledge. Now I had to go out and work hard but he provided a way for me to accomplish. And you know what? I believe that I sowed into world missions through that. And I'm going to reap a harvest in this life and in the life to come. Let's stand together. We'll partake of the Lord's Supper right now. You joining me today? One for you. Okay. When I was meditating on this service, I really felt that God 
I want to say he gave me a word. And uh, this is the word I want to release to you today. Father's Day 2021. I've got the beginning of it, and then I don't know where it's going to go. <laughs> we feel that the Spirit of God's telling his church that he's releasing you today to demonstrate his power to the world around us. And my thoughts immediately went to the book of Acts, where the apostle rebuked the sorcerer who was seeking to pervert justice. And I believe that the Lord is saying to his church today that as you stand up for me and declare my good works, the veil of deception for the nations is going to be lifted. And the spirit of truth is going to go forth. And there's a spirit of activation that is being released in your life today. That if you'll be obedient, healing, deliverance, freedom, and restoration will be released. Because my church is aligning with my purposes. And as we walk together, the glory of the Lord is going to be released here. And you're going to see some things in the world around you. Some things are going to happen very quickly in the wrong direction, and other things are going to fall apart. But as the Lord is shaking the land, his people are going to arise and the glory of the Lord is gonna be known. Because as they cry out with one voice, Father's Day 2021, Lord, let your blessing fall upon your people. Lord, I thank you that every, every man really that's chosen the way of life, I thank you that they can be encouraged today, that they'll be strengthened that as they stand in the role that you've placed them in, in the culture, that they don't have to be intimidated by the Goliaths in the land, but they can stand strong like the Davids and defy the powers of darkness and the deception that has got so many stuck in fear today. Father, I thank you that your people are activated and released and the message of hope is going forth and this city and this nation is never going to be the same. In Jesus' name. So as we close today, I'd like the husbands and wives, if you're together, to join hands. Because we fight together against darkness. Men and women, male and female, in the image of God. I want to pray over you today, Joshua chapter 1. Fathers, your people are studying your word, that they're meditating on it. It's always on their mind day and night. And we can be sure to obey everything you've instructed us to do with love and respect. Lord, that we could succeed in all that we do. And that as we follow your command to be strong and courageous, there's nothing that we cannot accomplish in your name. Fear and discouragement have to go in the name of Jesus.
because the Lord our God is for us, no matter where our feet take us. So this day as your children leave this place of fellowship and unity, Lord, I thank you that victory is with them, that hope is with them. In Jesus' name. See you next time.